0: Welcome to episode 21 of the British Ultra Running Podcast with your. Oh, co-
1: 21 today, eh? <clears throat> it's a special one.
0: With your co hosts, Dan, Dan Lawson, Dan. 21 today. And He's your a other a host,
1: <clears throat>
0: James Elson. Mm-hmm.
1: James the Barkley Elson. How's it going?
0: We've got off to a fly here. We
1: have, yeah. It's our 21st uh, anniversary. Could be yeah. there. <laughs>
0: could be the best intro ever. We have a guest yeah. with us from the start today but he's um, he's not at his microphone at the minute. I'm uh, here. Oh he's back. Now listener can you guess who's the voice that is? Give us a clue who you are speaker.
2: I'm an ultra runner oh, from the south of England.
0: You didn't start out with that. <laughs> <laughs> Give us some more personal detail. Tell us a story we may not know.
2: An, an anecdote. An anecdote. I once sailed across the Atlantic Ocean oh, with a bunch of strangers. Is that useful? Is that? I mean, you might not know that. No,
1: I do know that because I listened to you on the uh, marathon talk. Uh, I'm turning out all the same old yeah. rubbish. Mm. Mm. So I do know that. Yes.
0: Anyone who's tuning in to hear Robbie Britton today, just uh, flick over to the Marathon Talk podcast um, and
2: uh, enjoy an hour with Robbie. Yeah, I guess you would have put it in the title anyway, so they'll know no, it's not going to be like, I guess, the mystery podcast person, it'll be in the title, your Wally.
1: It's the 21st edition, we could have done something a little bit special, couldn't we?
2: 21.
1: Before we get going, Robbie, if that's all right, I just want to ask James, because I haven't spoken to James so well, how's training going, James?
0: Training's gone well. I've had a good week. I set myself the completely arbitrary target of running 100,000 feet of climb in the 25 days of training from last weekend. There's There's no reason for that. In fact, I was warned by the last finisher of the Barclay Marathons not to concentrate on just climbing as much as possible, but it seems that that's all I'm able to do. No, that's not true. I did a couple of actual run-runs. Other than that, it's been a lot of... Um, so tri- 100,000 feet, of, what's that in metres? I
1: don't... 33,000 like, 30, 30, 30, yeah,
0: metres. 30, you did that 000. in 25 days? 25 days, yeah. So I need to average... Yes. Um, well, yeah. I mean, on Thursday... That's pretty good, I, man. Yeah, on Thursday, I did my first uh, bigger key session. I did 34 reps of um, a hill in Wendover Woods called Knarking Around Full Vertitude, and um, it's a 300 foot climb, and therefore it, it, I did 10,000 feet in about five hours. Um, it pissed it down for five hours. Um, it, it was pretty miserable, but it was a key session. So the first big one in the, in the bag. And onwards nice, and Nice, man. I'm on 28,000 feet in eight days, so I'm a little bit behind, but not too far. So, um, uh-huh. that's it, mate. How about you? Oh, wait,
1: so you, you haven't done the 25 days. You're in the middle of it. I'm on
0: day eight. Day eight was today.
1: Okay. All oh, right. Yeah. Nice.
0: Oh, shit. Well, yeah, I guess that doesn't give away the date of the race, because uh, there's a t- significant oh, taper after that, right?
1: Yes. You can always edit it out anyway, mate. Ugh. I
0: will be tapering after the 25 days of training, but uh, anyhow. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Any thoughts uh, of, from uh, a coach on uh, Robbie on my uh, training approach to the Barkley Marathons?
2: What, what about your, your approach? Mm. just needs to be... sounds like you're getting the level of misery, correct? <laughs> um, really? Yeah. Going up and down the same hill in Wendover Woods. Mm. Are you using trail or just, like, wading through bushes?
0: A uh, mixture. A good mixture. Some stuff is completely unrunnable and almost undescendable. Anyway, so, boys, Robbie, welcome to the show. Um, this is the third time Robbie Britton's been on the British Ultra Running Podcast, and neither of the other episodes were releasable. The sound was so bad, so we thought it was high time that we corrected that and uh, made the most of his um, incredible, incredible personality so you two boys have got something huge coming up and i really genuinely know absolutely nothing about it so robbie do you want to give us a little bit of a an intro into what it is you and dan are doing starting from tomorrow
2: yeah it's probably best coming from me i don't know how much dan knows either um (laughs) basically as you know james letting me plan an adventure is not the best it kind of leaves little things kind of rough around the edges but what we're doing, originally the plan was to go to Lake Bicar, Um, but I ran out of teammates that could cope with the cold, and we decided that Dan, like me carrying a frozen Dan across a lake, was not really a worthy adventure. <laughs> um, so we looked for alternatives, and after ruling out the Lebanon, because there were mines on the trail, thanks for that suggestion, Dan, um, <laughs> we decided to do the Jordan Trail, which is 650-odd kilometres, from the north at a place called Um Kwai, all the way down Jordan to the Red Sea resort at Aqaba,
0: six hundred and fifty kilometres north to south across the country of Jordan. That's
2: yeah.
0: correct. The only thing I know about Jordan is Petra. She got
1: done. She got done for drink driving the
0: other day. <laughs> Someone had to say it. Um, is Petra? You know where they have the um, where they filmed Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, right?
2: They only filmed a very small part of it there, actually, and they did oh, the right. rest of it in the States. But, yes, we are running through Petra. The oh, trail wow. goes into Little Petra wow. and then actually yes. goes past the Treasury, which is the building that you you see and we all know from uh, from Indiana Jones. And I, am, I don't like to use the words amazing, but there are, I think it's one of the things that will actually amaze me when we go past it. I'm so excited. Dan apparently has been before but slept on a wall when he got there. What? <laughs> yeah. Dan, you've been to Jordan before?
1: I've been to Jordan a couple of times. Yeah, yeah. I've been to work for. I actually, I can't remember. I worked for the Prince on some, <laughs> on some charity gig out there. Like oh, a, a of course, you did. <laughs> and I did. I did go to Petra. Yeah, and I'm so tired. It was such a lovely day that I I walked past the Treasury and it was amazing. And the most amazing thing is the kind of is that like, route to get to it. It's like it's really small, kind of that little pathway carved out of these rocks and and you you just walk through this tiny little gap and then you see that treasury and it's just stunning maybe it was so stunning that's what kind of bowled me over because then I lay down on a rock and slept for 3 hours and then we had to go yeah oh <laughs> so my God. I'm looking forward to uh, taking it taking more of it in this time it does time, look yeah.
0: amazing so what what um what has led to this trip Rob just that you have enjoyed this kind of adventure runs before and it's an amazing way to explore a, you know, previously unseen country?
2: Yeah. I mean, uh, the, the initial impetus was me trying to do something a bit more, more dangerous with Baikal, just a bit kind of pushing the limits in an, in an environment. But we adapted it to the, to Jordan and actually it's a similar kind of thing. It's, it's pushing the limits a little bit because, we're not going to do it in a little jolly like me and you did in Iceland, James, where we basically just like minced across the country. Um, it, it's got some longer days. We're starting off with a 50-mile day. There is a record it's Alfie Pierce Higgins. Yes. And another chap from a local runner. I think they took 12 or 13 days, he said. So we're going to try and um, do it quicker than them just to, so that the media will grasp to us setting an FKT. That's what the kids are all doing these days. Um, you've got to have get, an FKT in your locker right, you, you've yeah. got one of them mate um but yeah, just trying to push it a little bit, but also enjoy just seeing a country that just we go past so many historical sites. it's just ridiculous the, the country is just full of beautiful places to see. We go past the Dead Sea we then go like this, this ruins but followed by ruins by ruins get to Petra, come through Petra then we' like after Petra we've got fifty k of like. Just random canyons in the middle of nowhere with no water. An overnight camp in somewhere where the support guys have got to hike into, and then we run to wadi run, which is like a world famous mm. uh, yeah. climbing region, and then we're in the desert before we get down to the Red Sea. Just all, everything about it just excites me.
0: Is the um, is the northern border you're starting from a border with Syria or Iraq
2: or... Uh, Israel? I think isn't it? Rob? it uh, there's a few borders around. We're not we're not going anywhere near the borders. It's kind of like right, we're not right on the northern border because oh, right. uh, the foreign office advises against that. Yeah, sure. But the I mean Jordan is a very safe place to travel from. Like it's just you don't go anywhere near that Syrian border yeah. is the advice. Um, just because I'm worried Dan will run over it or something, and then we'll lose him. So that's a sure.
0: danger you're not looking for. Um, you know, chase, being chased by any any kind of fighters.
2: That's that's not part of the plan. No, no. The main risk but, is dogs. Apparently, dogs. the main risk is going to be dogs. So I'm going to take a massive bag of bonios with me. Roses, let me have some. And <laughs> apparently, you chuck rocks at them, but I don't like chucking rocks at dogs. I mm. will use that as a last resort. I, I like. I'm a lover, not a fighter. So I love I'll a not chuck not of bonios. Yeah.
0: So yeah. Uh, you've answered a couple of the questions I had. Are you going to have a crew? Who's supporting you?
2: We got friend of mine called Dave McFarlane who does some filming stuff. He's going to make a little movie and he's got another buddy, James Vincent, who's a photographer. Um, I haven't met James. He's so excited to meet him as well when we get out there. And then Natalie's coming halfway through. She's going to meet us in Petra, um, take some more pretty pictures. And yeah, so Dave, Dave is primarily roped in to make a film and he was roped in to make a film about bike And now he's he got he equally as excited about this trip. And We've, we will also have a Jordanian driver. We don't know his yes. name yet, but we, we're excited to meet him too. And hopefully he speaks some English and he's pretty cool with them. Um...
0: <laughs> okay, so you're not going to have like big packs on your back and be, uh, you, you know, hefting 30 kilos across the desert. This is all about the running and, you know, a bit like us in Iceland, you'll be like 5, 10K, whatever, maybe longer, but, you know, so you, see them up the road fairly frequently.
2: Yeah, we'll see him every day. There are, there are sections where we'll have to carry a fair bit of water with us because it's hot and there's there's nothing in between. Oh, we're going to have to look after ourselves. Right. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it doesn't go too far from the King's Highway for a lot of the first half, so they can get in and, and see us. And we'll go through a few little towns. Apparently, the Jordanians are, like, just super, super friendly. Did you find out when you went out there, Dan? Oh,
1: great, yeah, yeah, yeah. And especially when you get out of the like, I spent a lot of time in the man. But especially when you get out of the cities, it's it's often the case, isn't it? Yeah, people are people are super friendly. Yeah, wherever you go.
2: Yeah. So hopefully we'll just be interacting with people in the towns we go through as well, and yeah, just better Bedouins. Open. Yes. Win Bed- <laughs> as well in the second half. They have, they have like an annual through hike as well, and that's on whilst we're out there. So hopefully we'll, one day we'll run across like. A huge bunch yeah. of people hiking the whole way and they'll be like, oh, All right. should be quite fun. That's pretty cool.
0: And what sort of temperatures are we looking at then?
2: Uh, I think it's going to vary from like, in the north or in the mountains. It looks a bit greener. I reckon it's going to be like, quite nice, but maybe a bit cold in the mornings and the night. And then in as we get further south, Dan will irritate me more by his, his ability to cope in the heat as it gets warmer. <laughs> yeah. Too much not gonna be crazy hot i think like mid-20s hot like maybe topping out low 30s when he gets okay. to the desert okay yeah so yeah, a bit
0: of rum bathing later on for dan it is most uh, definitely mate yeah top off yeah he's gonna come back like a leathery handbag as usual <laughs>
2: More leathery than before mm. <laughs> mm.
0: and campsites you're just gonna lob a tent up wherever works you've not planned anything right
2: yeah, there's a few, like, you can wild camp, like, in the top half, we've all, I've, I've booked a couple of little um, guest houses, because like, one of the days we ended, and it's, the area doesn't sound great, It says it's like you go past the prison and past the the dog wild dog site, and then, yeah, you can camp wherever you like, and you think, <laughs> mm, yeah, let's get a little guest house that night.
0: Right, yeah, no, that sounds ideal. Good um, nice. Going, yeah. Good. Well, I mean, it, it sounds amazing um i'm not sh- quite sure what the point is and i like that i think uh, when we went to iceland it was a similar feel right we we didn't ever say we were going for an fkt um so we probably had a bit less pressure than maybe you boys are putting on this one but it, 13 days to you two um for 650k feels um, <coughs> rather achievable so if you if you had to have a wild stab at what you you hope you might get it done by have you booked a return flight like ten days after you start or something?
2: Nine days, I've set for it. Mm. Yeah. Basically. And, they, go on, Dan.
1: No, I was just going to reply to James's. Like, I, I think it's quite nice that there isn't a point to it, isn't it? Like, yeah. So I many, love that. so many runs that you end up doing are either races or they're like training to like a certain time and a certain pace. And it's just so not, I, I'm really looking forward to the fact that there isn't a point and we can kind <laughs> of jog and like have a look around and taking the views and like, just, um, it's just, and it reminds you, that it's just such a beautiful way to travel, you know, to yeah. just to run across yeah. the country with no, like, yeah, with no pressure. You're not trying to, I mean, like when we ran the other day on that, on that, um, south coast path it was beautiful wasn't it but i only looked up like two or three times to actually take it in so i'm really looking forward to just you know really really soaking it up and and, and enjoying that um just the the whole country you know
0: i have to say that uh, i know robbie was surprised that i actually enjoyed our joint across iceland but it was one of the best running experiences i ever had because um yeah we just made it up as we went along Um, beforehand if you told me that Robbie was just going to make it up as we went along and have zero plan and I would have been like oh god you know pretty worried and actually it made it far more enjoyable than if you just had that we've got to get here today um you know every day every day was different and I think that's uh, the best part about it so, you're, both, way, you're yeah. both going into so, this um, pretty fresh. Robbie, you've been racing recently, though. Know, you've just come back from Trans-Grand Canaria, right?
2: I don't want to talk about that.
0: No, <laughs> I do, because I've seen your, Stra- <laughs> seen your Strava and I've seen a video, and I'd like to hear about the second half of that race.
2: You know, Ask away. Ask away. I've I had a lot of time to contemplate it during the second half of that race. You tell us, what happened? What happened? <laughs> uh, well, I... My main reflection was that I got to about 25k and this there was a nice a marathon, runnable climb. Like,
0: this isn't in the uh, 128k ultra. This is the, the marathon.
2: Yeah. like a little marathon. So yeah, on the start line, I found out that it was the Spanish trial for the world champs. Um, so it was, it, it was loaded. It was like a bunch of like Spaniards that were just going to fly off from the start, which is always good and eased in 20 25k was feeling good hadn't pushed too hard fell over once and did a little roly-poly um but then i pushed up this climb from 25 to 30 and was thinking now i start pushing towards the finish and i just overheated i I, I don't know if i kicked too early or just i was just looking at it the wrong way i suppose I, i struggle a little bit with the pacing of the marathon distance um rather than the longer stuff where you just keep keeping it easy the whole way mm. it was this one i kind of felt like i had to push up this hill because it was runnable and i felt i could run it i run the whole way up it took me about it's like a 5k hill and i think it took me not too long and then started pushing and you dropped down a technical descent and then got into this riverbed well
1: oh, i it, saw that riverbed on the video that it looks it, horrible there was, there was people like falling all over it I mean, yeah
2: it was uh yeah. it was just too what too and i enough water with me probably but like, i wasn't dehydrated i might have been dehydrated but i didn't feel dehydrated i just felt hot like the little watch i got one of those fancy coros watches and it told me it was like 34 degrees it felt like i was running for an oven and then it was just a battle of i was jogging 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 i'd walk a little bit and then just kind of thought maybe i'll retire from ultra running um and then i jogged a bit more and it used to case i got to it, it was like a secondary checkpoint that they'd added in and I just poured all the water on my head and kept moving, but then you got into this kind of what is it, like a river, like a concrete river for the finish. Yeah, it's like, it yeah. looked like
1: the kind of river. You know that like when you see those uh, the river like between Mexico and uh, USA, where, where people come across the border, it looked like
2: that. One of those. Uh, it, felt like that. it felt like I was sneaking into it, and you had to keep, keep coming out to the checkpoints around it. Like Trans Gran Canaria is a beautiful race, the long one as well. Seeing loads of that. But it has the the least inspiring finish I have ever seen. Really, it. Oh. Like the finish line's great, but before that, you've got 10k of just riverbed and then dog shit industrial kind of concrete <laughs> riverbed, and you're going up the side of it out. You're going across broken bottles, and it's it's just like I mean, it's good as a mental test, but it just like you, I can't imagine getting it after 118k. Sun's coming up, yeah. and you've got to push the finish line, and you're in this kind of. A horrible, herb. it's just yeah, they should finish it somewhere beautiful in the mountains, but they can't because they gotta finish it in the towns, right, and it, it's just a, yeah I, I there are I've never done transgend Canera for a few reasons, um, but that kind of uh, it doesn't i don't wanna do it still, like <laughs> just look at that finish
0: well you um you you gave it a good go, you always give it a good go, you always go hard and sometimes sustain and sometimes. Blow. Um, I've got a lot of respect for that style of racing. I think it's great. Um, I know you're a big advocate of uh, of good, solid, even pacing, though. So, you know, I guess few lessons learned. Nothing, no damage done. Your wife Natalie ran very well and finished top ten in the women's
2: yeah. marathon. Yeah, she did, Natalie ran really well, but again, she wasn't as happy because she struggled in the heat of the of the um, riverbed as well. Yeah, I think just pair I think like it was, but like, Nats went out there beforehand and she conditioned her legs a bit better. But we we just struggled with the heat coming from thirteen hundred and fifty meters in Chamonix. A minus ten. Yeah, and we just underestimated it a bit. I think <laughs> lessons learned. And then,
0: um, well, after you raced, you went on to crew, and it's, I really wanted to talk to you about this. You you were crewing Hayden Hawks, right, in the the 128k, the the big, yeah. the big one. I know there's a longer race there, the three 360. Is it is it 360k or 360 degrees?
2: 260k. Okay. Okay. Right. Fleet yeah, up. the the,
1: the chap that won that, I can't remember where he's from. Is he Spanish?
2: Yeah. The chap that cha- won
1: it. Finished it and then went and started the 128k,
2: the 128K one, didn't he? Happy, <laughs> yeah. yeah they... He works at Disneyland. What, huh? He works at Disneyland Paris. Apparently, he's one of the Mickey Mouses. Oh, is he?
0: <laughs> you yeah. are you are joking.
2: No, that's what my L told me. He does work at Disneyland because he offered Hayden tickets, but um, <laughs> yeah. he works as a Mickey Mouse. Oh man, he's got, got run.
1: He's got, he's got to run a- an ultra in
0: that costume, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Hayden Hawks is one of the outstanding um, elite athletes on the, I guess we call it the UTWT, right, Ultra Trail World Tour. He's won CCC. Was that last year, Rob, or the year before? I forget. The year before. The year before, because it was Tom last year, wasn't it? Um, he's super fast road runner, right, who came across to the trails and has had some yeah, world class, many world class performances, right? And you, was this your
2: first opportunity to crew him? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, because he he was over in Chamonix last summer, so we did a fair bit of running together. And yeah, he asked if we'd come over and crew him for Trans Grand Canaria. And yeah, worked out well because Nats we, we, originally there's only Nats in the marathon, and I was just going to crew. And then but, yeah, it worked out well. It, I could have done with a sleek beforehand, but um. First time we've crewed him and he was feeling super confident before the race. It, the guy is, as you say, is well he's well he's very, very high class over the short distance. I think he's five K P is like thirteen fifty low. Whoa. And he's ten K twenty, I wanna say twenty eight low, maybe. Whoa. Oh I'm not sure. Um, but he's rapid. And you could tell he was confident going into start line. Um, it wasn't his day. But like, even like going through the first checkpoint, like chatting to him, he's like, mate, I'm just, it's, it's, I'm, I'm comfortable. You could tell he was, he's very, very confident, but confident for the, for the right reasons. Right. Um, he's done the work. He's got the, uh, the ability, but he's, he trained hard. He trained on the, he was out there on the island. He's, he's, yeah. And then uh, he spoke about it quite openly afterwards. We, he, about 12 hours in, he, he, he stopped, but he was, um he was being sick from a bit earlier. And, It was similar to yourself, James. It kind of just happened quite suddenly that he just, uh, he just, uh, he'd come into a checkpoint, uh, which one was it? Just after the big high point. And he just, he was like, I'm out of it, mate. I'm I'm going backwards. I'm knackered. And there's like pictures going around of me. It looks like I'm shouting at him, but I was just kind of, getting him moving just to tell him to get the next checkpoint and we'll decide it and he after not long after the next check after that he started he was just really sick and uh, like they, they pulled him out of the race
0: really oh they actually yeah. pulled him it wasn't a choice he was like right, they were like no you're done
2: yeah no they, he was going back to the checkpoint to try and sort, sort, sort of out about and they, they, they pulled him he said look you can't you've got to come back and you got to sort you out now wow so they, and the crew, obviously, there's a lot of people out there saying, oh, he goes, there's a lot of, it's like a rumour mill. Um, but you can hear people saying he'd gone too fast, which I do not believe. They, I think they just underestimate the level of runner that is coming to these races now. Mm. Um, mm. Going, he may be going too fast if it was me. Yeah, of course he was. But for him, it wasn't. Yeah. He was eating well. They're, oh, yeah, Powell stopped and eight at these checkpoints. Hayden run straight through. But we weren't. We were, we, he was coming in and I was running with him, which you're allowed to do on these races. And yeah, uh, yeah, he
1: was. He was. What, where was he? He was like in second or third, wasn't
2: he? Or when he stopped, he was in, in a. I think he'd gone back to like third or fourth. Yeah. Christopher Clement had just gone past him. Um, no, no, Christopher Clement was catching him. Uh, when I last saw him, but I mean, the race, the race between him and Pal Capel, that's what yeah. it was. Yeah. Those. right. has pa- pa- won
0: the last three editions, right? He really seems to be able to nail that race. Yeah. Um, and, and he might, mo- yeah.
2: Very, very experienced kind of hundred k plus mountain racer. Yeah. He's young, Pal, but you, you can't underestimate the level of experience he has. And he's you watch him in the in the aid stations. He's he's dialed in at what he's doing. He's getting his splits from his girlfriend. He's kind of eating whilst he's doing anything. He's getting everything reloaded. It's very, very well. And he was when Hayden dropped back about twenty minutes or so. You could see Paul relaxed. He didn't push. He didn't try and push on an advantage. He just kept doing the job he would set himself out to do. And it was it was impressive to watch. Mm.
0: Yeah, I mean he's he's so solid. I mean he seems to record result after result. Um tough guy. Just so fast over that kind of terrain. When you think about the hundred and it's a hundred and twenty eight K, how much climb approximately?
2: Seven odd thousand meters, I think
0: seven and he's running twelve forty two uh, it was, I mean, it was, was, was more
2: technical this year as well. They definitely, and that's he was slower, but they added in. I spoke to a couple of people who've done it in previous years. They said they've added stuff in. They added it into the marathon as well. Um, but yeah, yeah, they added little bits in and made it more technical uh, than it has been in previous years.
0: Now, when when you watching him run, is he, is he a bit like Luis Alberto at times? He's working like miles above breathing threshold, just really working hard and just able to sustain that, or is he running reasonably comfortably?
2: So Hayden's said that when he's running with him, he does look like he's working his nuts off. Right. Uh, and he sustains it. It's and it, Yeah, I suppose just the times we saw him going up hills and stuff, he was working hard and he sustains it. Mm.
0: Um, it's incredible yeah. to watch that because, you know, to any mere mortal, you get that – you're working that hard in a race like that and it's just a black hole you're never coming back out of. But they seem to be – these top, top guys seem to be able to recover – and then, you know, push again almost up to like a threshold level and then, you know, repeat over and over and over. And they sometimes they get it a bit wrong, but when they nail it, they're just untouchable, right?
2: Um, you know what I think it is, James? You look at the, the the people that do the ski mountaineering, right? My mate Ollie was doing a ski mountaineering race and he says he worked these nuts of uphill and then he had to work hard to get down the hill. Yep. Whereas these top guys just slide down the hill, basically recovering. And I think yeah. if you're people like Power Capel, Killian Journay, like the really top guys, I think they're just so efficient going downhill that it's almost like a recovery for them, even when they're going quickly. Mm. That's why I think you look at the, a lot of the Americans that come over, the really fast guys like Wormsley and, and Tollison and stuff, and, and Dylan Bowman, when they try and do the UTMB against the, the likes of Jornay... I wonder if it's the downhill, like, they're, they're fast downhill. Those guys can, they can hammer it. They can keep up with the, with, the, with the Europeans downhill. But is it, are they working that much harder that, like, the likes of Killian are having a recovery. Yep. Paul Capel is down downhill well, but he's recovering. Mm-hmm. Whereas the rest of us are working hard. I know when I go down downhill, it is not pretty. It is not, I, I try to work on efficiency, but I am working to go fast. Because if I was naturally going fast and and using it to relax, and that it might it might be all the difference.
1: Yeah, I know, I know. I can't remember one of Killian's paces on um, the Bob Graham said exactly the same thing that he was he was literally recovering and resting when he was going downhill. Yeah, and, and that like five that low five minute
0: difference. mile pace on rough ground. I t- I, t- I totally agree that that is where they've got a significant advantage. And it makes them untouchable, really. Rob, um obviously you've got a massive background of racing and it's it's almost ridiculous to try and recap it. You've got kind of a, a who's who list of all the, the big races and but one of the, the things that um we've always admired you for is your desire and ability to race kind of all distances all terrains and already this year i think you're proving that i mean you've done you've been to northern ireland to race 5k you've been to trans grand canaria to run a marathon you're going to jordan to run 650k across it in the past you've done you know 24 hour for for your country many times including a bronze medal at the world champs Spartathon multiple utmbs you've done the sky running, everything under the sun. What is left for you? Where is this journey going? What's the interest, <laughs> uh, you know, for, for the foreseeable future. Is it more self powered adventure stuff or is it continuing to just tip your hat to everything and, and see if you can give anything a go? Uh,
2: I think a part of, um, I think I suffered in the past because I've, I've been trying to be too varied. Um, it, it's actually quite difficult times to to try and do everything. Like I tried to train for 24 hour races in the mountains. And I think, yeah, at times you mentioned all those races and distances I've done and I've done a lot of them, but there's one that I keep coming back to that. I know that I can be, I I don't say this in an arrogant way, but I think I could be truly world-class at the 24 hour distance. Um, well, I think I think you, yeah, you 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 are truly world class, proven.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You already but, uh, have been. <laughs> I guess so. What you're saying is, you know, you've run 261 k, but we we all know that the distances are likely to start going back up because the gulf between where the top men are running now and where they have been in the past, I suppose, in the mid 270s, forgetting Kuros for a minute, um, it looks likely that those distances will start becoming more regular. Is that fair? You know, runners winning events in the two seventies rather than the two sixties. And is your ambition similar to Dan's, you know, to get to back to that kind of level?
2: Yeah, totally. I mean, I don't think you can discount. I don't think you should discount. Cause we should uh, like, that's why I struggle to say world class because I'm a marathon behind the world record. I'd love to spend the next 10 years figuring out how close you get to that kind of stuff. I'm not saying for a second that I can get it, but you look at, Kuros was a 2.23 marathoner. He was a fantastic eater. He had a lot of mental strength. (laughs) He did a lot of things right. He was the perfect storm in 24-hour running. Um, I think I can match him for eating, right? So that's one tick. It's then trying to get the rest of the shite together. Um, But that's why I went the way and did the marathon last year in Valencia. I wanted to get under 2.30 just to kind of, okay, where does that put me in relation to a 24-hour performance now? I look at my two six one as maybe a mid two foot th- two thirties equivalent, like potential. And I think I got close to the, the high end of my potential over twenty four hours. So then I've had to re to step back and, and redo it all. Um, and I really think like, like, if I I love the varied stuff. I won't ever stop doing shorter races because it just I love racing. But I really mm-hmm. want to focus on on doing what I do well. I think it's yeah. what I'm built for. That's what that's what.
1: I think I mean, Rob, you can look at that two six one that you uh, did in Turin and I mean sometimes we have perfect days when we race, but that two six one wasn't a perfect day for you either, was it? You were you had you had struggles in that race, in the middle part of that race, where you could easily if if you had a perfect day, I don't know, run at least another ten kilometres more, no?
2: Uh no, the way I look at it, Dan, is that, and as you know this as well, twenty-four hour racing, is it like if I'd have, if I hadn't have had the shits in the first six hours of that Turin race, I would have gone quicker. Therefore, I'd have blown up, and I wouldn't have got anywhere near two sixty. I, I think agree. you just you've got to look you've got to take twenty four hour running for 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 every obstacle, every bit in the way, and just just stick with that. I mean, one of the things like the top guys, like John Olsen, when he ran when he ran the worlds, he was metronomic the whole way through. Karos, Karos actually is more like starts fast. And Course powerful. goes
1: hard, doesn't he? You, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Again, is it hard for him? I suppose it is still hard for him, but it's, yeah, it, it, there's a lot of really good kind of steady guys that are, that are more metronomic and, and the days, they have good days and they do more of the 24-hour races. I I, I can't do as many as those people. Um, probably because I think it comes down to efficiency. I'm more of a brute force, but uh, I hope I'll improve that.
1: Well, I was just going to say, the world the world's at this October, aren't they? So, and the, the team's been, been picked for that. Um, so, you're, are, you, are you going to run a twenty-four this year, Rob? Is that your plan?
2: I I would like to go to the Desert Solstice one in December that James went to. Um, I'd like to. I, I'm focusing on the hundred miler in September first that James has organised. I'd like to run a good good t- uh, time for hundred miles and then look onto it from there. But before that, I mean, I'm part of the management for the for the team for the Worlds, and my focus is fully on. There is getting you guys some uh, some happy medals and having a good time. But yeah,
1: no, yeah, I, I think, think I think you were quite instrumental. I think um, having you on the management last time round uh, was it was a, it was a lot of masterstroke from John. You uh, you were fantastic. It really uh, really made a difference to me as a runner anyway. Um, and I think you you've nailed that uh, crewing stuff. You're uh, you're pretty decent at it, aren't you? Do you think it? Do you think? I mean, you crew a lot of people, don't you? I mean, you haven't managed to get James to finish at twenty-four yet, but I no, know he, he has. Hasn't been the the only
0: one that went <laughs> truly well. He was my crew. He was my crew for it. Yes. Yeah.
1: But do you I find love, love the, love the amount game. of crewing you do, Rob? Do you find it? You find it? Do you think it helps your running? Like, can you learn from from other people's mistakes when you when you're that 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 close to it, that kind of intimately close to it? Do you,
2: yeah, I think you're right. The first time I it, I was I was kind of aware of it, it was watching Marco Consani because his first 24-hour race was an absolute blinder. I think he ran uh, 2.50, in 2.58, what? yeah. Yeah, how has he figured this out so quickly? But I look back and he'd been crewing Debs and been around at events and stuff and seen how it happened. And I think a lot of 24-hour run is just dealing with the situations at hand. Yeah. And That's... you build up that bank of knowledge, that bank of scenarios beforehand. Same with any ultra race, really it's kind of there's a lot of the the mental it's to do with decision making when you have to make a decision if you've got a lot of scenarios behind you it's easier to make a workable decision you you don't you don't look for the perfect one but you've got all these scenarios in your head and you go okay what's going to work for this one and if you've got it at hand from having that bank of experience um i think it can it means you can run it yeah you're right then you can run a better 24 hour race yourself ultra running in general can help
0: it's problem solving yeah. right you know you know what situations lead to what outcomes and you can almost head the problems off at the pass because certainly you know you know how to to solve them yeah you have been crew for so many people and helped a lot of people achieve results at the you know the very best of what they've done so apart from the track race in september track 100 and maybe desert solstice in december what else has this year got in store for you
2: it's a good question I was discussing this I'm, I worked with a chap called Thomas Craggs as a coach and I was discussing it with him um, and Natalie my wife mainly because T- Tom's a marathon coach and he helped me get ready for Mar- uh, Valencia last year but it's becoming more i get away with murder if I wanted to I could tell him yeah I should do 100 mile a month um, but we were looking for different events to, to kind of go before the the uh, 100 mile in September and we're Nats and I are moving to Italy at the end of this month. We've got ourselves a little apartment in a town called Codula in the northern area. And and we're looking for races around there. But I don't know. I'm looking for something around end of June, uh, maybe middle to end of June, of about 100k on the trails to kind of feel that excitement of trail running. But it's still not and allow for the the, the training to be sufficient for um, the 100 mile on the track afterwards. So I've looked at two I've narrowed it down to Ultra Trail Hungary, which is about and 100k with, I think, three or 4,000 metres, or the Mozart 100, which a few British guys did well at last year. They've made yeah. it 112 this time. But it looks runnable. I'm trying to, as I was saying before, do stuff that I'm good at. Because it's, so, it's a little bit saddening to keep doing these marathon distance technical races, and I'm just not very good at them i'm all right i'm not i'm not like humble bragging but i'm just not as good as i want to be but that's the right way of putting it yeah like i i can't get them right i keep doing doing them as training but i've had one or two really good ones over the shorter distances but i know what i'm good at i'm good at running a long way i'm good at eating i'm good at being miserable and keeping moving forward so why like try and fight against the stress? Apart
0: from your uh, bronze medal at the World 24s, what would you count amongst the top, say, five performances
2: you've had in races? Oh, blimey. it's a good question, James. Thank you. Uh, I can't, well, what do we have? So, like, I mean, if you go off the ITRA rankings, I love having an ITRA score. Jesus. Um, the OCC I did a couple of years ago, where I was 16th, was my best ever performance alongside, yeah, which I thought I did all right at. But when you finish 16th, you can't feel that happy about it, can you? <laughs> um, I did one I did one in Switzerland called the Trout of Land, 45k and that was I finished first and I broke a couple of that was a decent runners records I broke that day and it, it was a perfect day started at 4am, was done by 10am it was mountainous, it was altitude I do well at altitude so that, the Trout of a Land's up there did a right in Poland last year blimey 100. Yeah, that was
1: another course record as well, wasn't it? Yeah, but it was
2: uncompetitive. That's the thing. Like, I love competition, but it does it's good for the soul to do a race you can win, and I suppose it's it, an ultra run. I, like, I was pleased with the South Downs Way 100 until about 12 months later when Mark Perkins just made my time look like a joke. <laughs> <laughs> listening. I don't know who listens. Um, yeah, any kind of stuff. Like the North Downs Way 100, James, The first time was it the first time we met? Mm, maybe, yeah, maybe it was. Oh, maybe Caesar's <laughs>
0: camp where I beat you, but they made the, your time quicker than mine. I think I met you there.
2: Sorry, yeah, James, I I, I missed you there. Did you say that on the on the results that I, I beat you at Caesar's camp? Is that yeah, what you're saying? That's
0: exactly what I said.
2: In fact, you actually had a three hour sleep and still beat me. Um, I, w-
0: I walked the last two twenty miles in my tracksuit bottoms and beat. I got paced by <laughs> my mum on that <laughs> That was back when we were good, though, mate. That's when we knew how this this sport was really run.
2: Twenty eight hours. That's what. That's how the time you run your first hundred in. It's got to hurt. If it doesn't hurt, and you don't cry a little bit, and then walk a lap with your mum, then you've not. That's not a first hundred. <laughs> that
0: that <laughs> hundred was so horrible. Um, okay, oh, and for for the listeners out there, what would be your top three races that they should do before
2: retirement? A twenty-four hour race. We Yes. It's just the purest form of ultra running. Yes, we tell totally you. It's about agree, how yeah. far you can run in a day. And yeah. nothing else matters. Even if it rains, it doesn't really matter. You just put a jacket on. It's just about running and eating and moving. It's just it's just so pointless and miserable. Yeah.
1: And James, you had a quote from Yanis Koros. I think he said it when we were chatting to Camille Heron. What did he say? He says that the twenty four hours is the first <laughs> ultra, is that
0: right? Yeah, the first proper ultra distance because yeah. yeah, well, for obvious reasons. You know, you can fake you can fake it up to a point and you can get away with not eating enough and not staying properly hydrated and just being a really good runner and gutting it out but you can't do that in a 24-hour. It's too yeah. it's too far. It's too hard. Um, it's too too destructive mentally. You've got to get it. To get to get it right, you gotta, you got to get it right. Go on then, Rob, part from the 24, two more.
2: Well, I was just going to add on that one, James. The old, um, you look at people like Martin Dakin, Don Ritchie, they got the 200K right. They broke world records there. They got yep. 100K up there, but beyond 200K, they just couldn't get it. It was just the ones that they pulled them apart. The old twenty-four hours. Yeah, the last um, third of the other race. Races yeah. To do oh, so many. Mm. Actually, I'm going to chuck it in there. Something like the Armr 5K. That was a fantastic mm. experience. It was just it was so many people just absolutely tearing it round a tight. It was a proper race. <laughs> yeah. The second. Not,
1: not everyone can run that one, though, can they?
2: That's a fair point. Uh, but a good competitive shorter distance race. You, as an ultra runner, you will learn a lot. Uh, you can you can build coping strategies. You can if, if you can get yourself and, and suffer through a good five k, then you can draw on that in, the, in a in a proper ultra race. Uh, um, and other ones. Oh god, this just loads to pick one. I've really enjoyed things like Tarawira. It was really runnable. Uh, the spartaflon uh, it's just got so much history to it. And I can't not mention UCMB. I moved that Chamonix because of it. I love their races. It's a, a lot of people come out and they go, oh yeah, it's just so busy. It's just horrible. It's, yeah, it's because it's popular for that reason. It's fantastic. Yeah. The country's beautiful. The, the, the passion of the people supporting it the whole way around. Yeah. Get out to the mountains in Europe and do a race where the, it, I kind of feel as if, yeah, the you, the mountain people around there. Actually, I've got, I've got a third one. Sorry. I've waffled on, but the Tour de Jean, that one, that race is just special. I've not even done it. I love it. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and, and Rob, I remember like a few years ago, um, you telling me, we're talking about UTMB, and I think it's always been quite special to you. In your, and you said that it's it's a race, I mean, you want, you'd want you like to win or do really well in that race at some point. Are you, do you still have that um, thought about the UTMB, or is it kind of done for you now?
2: I kind of feel like I, I look at my limitations and and what's realistic for me, and maybe that isn't realistic for me. And I do like work. You kind of seeing people like Hayden and the ability they have. If they, when those guys get it right, like when I, I, it's going to be untouchable for the likes of the likes of me. Yeah. Um. Tom Evans. Look at him at CCC. The guy's running he was sixty five for a half last uh recently. It's they're really, really good look and maybe I could get down to that 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 level over the half distances and compete. And it's making me put me socks up and have a, a like properly keep and I know I can keep improving. Do I uh, but my yeah. heart and U T M P It's
1: it's a bit more I know we were just saying the first ultras at twenty four hours, but the hundred it's it's easier, it's much easier to run a fast hundred K than it is to run a to, to run that pace in a 100 miler, isn't it? Uh, and you see that happening quite a lot with some of those real fast lads, do you know what I mean? D- who just, they can't consistently finish 100 milers, can they? They haven't quite nailed it.
2: Yeah, I think there's, it, it's not about running fast 100 miler. But, mm. I mean, we talk about the UTMB as a 100 miler, but in fact, it's a 100 miler with 10,000 metres. And to me, that's like adding an extra 60 miles on the end of it. If you use the old 10,000 metres, is like an extra 10k on the flat. It's 100. 160 miler. I don't think of it as a hundred miler. in the same way that South Downs are the North Downs are 100. It's more it's a bigger race than that. So it does kind of come into that. you have to be able to eat and drink and, and manage yourself in the same way you might in a 24 hour race. So I'd look at those as yeah, it's as longer than a hundred miler. Um, you got you've got to want it. You've got to really be able wanna be able to suffer through it as well. I like, I remember seeing a couple of years back, like Javier Fevenard come past me and him and Dylan were racing at the end. And the guy was a zombie, Fevenard. He he just—he looked—he nearly ran. I was off the side of the trail. He nearly ran into me. He just looked absolutely out of it. Zach Miller, when he comes through there every year, like Zach, (laughs) (laughs) a little bit better. But he—he loves to suffer, and that's how. And you think, can I do that? Have I have I got the ability up and down the hills to be able to? And efficiency. I know I can keep up with not all of those guys, but. I can descend quick now, right? I've got my descending is quick, but it's not efficient enough. So maybe I think I think it will come back to me, the UCMB, the passion for it. But yeah, it's going to take a few years because, and you look at Ludovic Pomerat, he won it, and I think he was in his forties when he won it. And you he, he, he look at his Palmeiras, he was doing the smaller races, building up, gradually getting there, gradually getting there. I, I've been doing this for a long time. But I still feel that, as from a performance level, I'm I'm lower on that rung. I've got a long way to go yet, and I think I can still get better. Yeah. On, the, oh, on
0: that note, I, Dan, one of Dan's focuses this year is obviously the sixth day and potentially looking at a British record there if he can get it right. eh Dan. Maybe, maybe even a world standard. Who knows? To both of you, is the 48 hour something that you feel you want to give a go? You know, relatively soon, or is that? something that you think you should save as a runner until deeper into your career
1: hey i'm well deep into my career already. Just, you just buy, you're just bypassing 48 <laughs> and
0: going straight to sixth day
1: it, it's just I, no i'm up i'd really like to do a 48 hour because i I'd really it's an ambition of mine to to try and break uh, any kind of british ultra running record I'd i'd love to uh, yeah, I'd love to see my name on the DUV British Ultra Running uh, <laughs> records, and and I think out of all of the records, when you look at them, I think I don't know if Robbie would agree. I think the 48-hour record is the uh, is the one that looks the most doable. If that makes sense, yeah. yeah. So I I'm often looking for 48-hour races in a year, but it's just where you where you fit it in, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I'm totally up for a 48-hour. Robbie, Richard it's something Brown.
0: you've mentioned before, right? Richard Richard Brown's record is 401k, is that correct?
1: Yes, but Robbie also uh, quite uh, made the point that uh, Mick Thwaites, who is actually Br- British, although he's now... He's resided in Australia for, I don't know how many years, like 20 years or something. So he... Um, he calls himself Australian now, but he ran a lot. He ran what four two three, I think, or something like that.
2: So maybe
1: that's the true British record. That's what. That's the. That's the
2: um, mark we have to aim for. I like you. So James, you, you said there, jump straight to the six days. Who, who else did that? Was Yanis um, Kuros. He went straight into the one of the six day races and then broke the bloody twenty four and forty eight hours within that. Um, I think. <laughs> Something uh, like he definitely broke at least one of the. I think he broke the forty-eight hour within a six-day. Right. Um, that's why I was looking at it in the past. So it was uh, before hour I, I was looking at trying a, a forty-eight-hour. actually signed up to one snowdrop fifty-five hour in the US, uh, and then had issues with my knee. And it's I want to. I, I do want to do them. It, it does fascinate me. I think you can learn a lot from them, and that's I think one of the reasons Kuros was so good. He he, he learned about himself over the six-day. And then it kind of led to him becoming better. Another example is Johan Steen. After he started six-day racing, he's, he's, his ability over the 24-hour really increased. And I think part of that will be down to the mental strength and the ability to kind of know oneself over a longer six-day big challenge. Yeah. Doing a 24 hour. After the 24-hour, a point to point 100 doesn't seem as scary because you've done 24 hours and you know you can get through that. And I wonder if it's the same. Um, but I, have, like, I get a lot of tightness in the right um, quad mainly from smashing down hills inefficiently, as we've already discussed. But I want to make sure that's right before I really – and it feels like it's in a much better place. We're doing a lot more strength work, trying to balance it out a bit. But uh, after Albie, when I had the knee surgery, um, I had the cartilage cleared up. And I, I thought like maybe I uh, then took two months off, three months off to let the, the knee recover from the surgery. And then I was right afterwards. But I was I all right because of the surgery or was I all right because of the three months off? And I, is it a chronic buildup in this right quad? So I'm, I'm, making sure that that's so. Stuff like the hundred mile, Jordan. I've done Bulgaria since the um, we've run across Bulgaria it was five hundred odd okay, k since the knee surgery. So I know it's good for long stuff. Making sure it gets through stuff like Jordan, but also the track hundred mile. I want to make sure that my, my legs are, I'm kind of aligned enough to then go into the longer stuff. Because I've relished the idea of doing 48 hours. Bloody hell, brilliant! Just get the run and eat for two days. Fuck, ah, what's not to like? And
0: what about you, Mr. Elson? Um, I, need a, to, a, a I need to do I... 24 first, mate. It's no point in me doing 48 hours if I can't get 24 right. The... Well, I
1: don't know. <laughs> <what he> says.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I personally, I've told you about this before, I'm shit with sleep deprivation, and the longest I've been running without sleep is, is about 40 hours at Badwater. I don't... No. I know Richard Brown always said the best approach to a forty eight hour would be a twenty minute nap at about twenty hours in, I think, was his um plan. You can correct me if I'm wrong on that. But the idea of trying to trying to run a good second day after, you know, putting two hundred kilometres away on day one and then having a twenty minute nap sounds pretty horrendous to me. Um,
2: don't don't sleep I think yeah. you, just got, you just got to go through yeah. yeah just run 70 on day one mate then you can just walk
0: 100 or so the next day so true that's definitely the right approach um, yeah I think I do completely agree with you I think that 401k is probably the most achievable ultra distance target out there men's target out there uh, for what it's worth I think the 100 mile Eleanor um, Robinson's 100 mile women's British record I personally think that could be threatened by a few of the current crop of British female runners. So, Is,
1: is it going to go down in September?
0: Well, who knows? I mean, we've got four top women in the race. What I would say is that we're definitely missing, obviously, some of the other leading contenders, male and female, because the 24 Hours world champs takes 12 of you out of the equation, right? And that's a shame, but we we know that this is a kind of a, a something that's here to stay. And I just hope that timings-wise, things work out in the future that we can attract people, you know, over to come and break these records, It also gets some of the international runners in at the same time and have them um, go go at it. But the field's looking good on both the men's and women's fronts. I've got what I was hoping was that we get. The spread of really fast marathoners stepping up and just trying to have a crack at the distance. Um, The top 100k um, runners who are trying to reach up. And then the top long, long distance, you know, specialists 100 mile, 24 hour or longer specialists coming down and trying to run a fast 100. And I, I think we've got that. Um, certainly in the men's field, um, the women's field, all four of the runners are just so solid over 100 miles um, in terms of their experience. So, yeah, I think we're up to about how many have we got in the race? A dozen, maybe. Um, oh, nice. We've turned, we've had to turn a, quite a few applicants away. I would say probably the same number again have applied on top, who just haven't quite had the qualifying marks. And for this first edition, we do want to hold the places aside for those who've who've met those standards. Um, mm. So at the moment, everybody in the race is, is qualified and we intend to keep it that way. So it should be as fast as it gets. Um, obviously, Rob, you're going to have to potentially see a couple of very fast marathoners go off at the start and pray that they blow, right?
2: I'm going to see what shape I'm in over the summer. I've got, like, <laughs> got targets yeah you go i mean if i'm in good enough shape then i'll uh, i'm not going to put a limit on now on what i feel i can do if i can really really get a good summer of training in you just got to have a go and you see what you are on the day i'm not going to go into like a running race from the start i'll run my own race
1: how's your um uh where you're moving to in italy rob how's that is there is there like runnable kind of Flatish trails there where yeah. you can work on your speed a bit more than you were able to in Chamonix. We've got,
2: we've got a nice road, like one mile road loop out the door. We've got, you can run down the valley for about 15 20 miles on quiet roads. Okay. There's a 21 mile, 21k road loop in the mountains with a thousand meters of climb, which is good. I think it's spartafilon training. Uh, and then there's loads and loads of yeah, really steep trails and some, there's a really nice kind of runnable road, like dirt road, goes in the, like after like a hydro dam at the back. So if it's yeah. actually, yeah, I think it's going to suit. It's nice because it works for Natalie because she loves the steep and technical stuff. And then I've got the like that nice mix where I can get the more flatter stuff in. And, yeah, I think the train would be like the marathon. I'll, I'll be It'd be nice. It'd be easier to train there than it was in Chamonix. I did so many one-mile loops on a dirt and road kind of mix in Chamonix. It's yeah. soul-destroying.
1: Yeah, but it's all so good, isn't it, for your for the I mean, 100 miles on a track and your 24-hour that sort of training, it all helps, doesn't it? You know, the soul-destroying stuff.
2: Mm. Yeah, I think I'll pop to a, a trail, a couple of a, a track, a couple of times, and do some slightly longer, but kicking along at the required pace just to see how the yeah. body reacts to it. Mm. Yeah,
0: rewinding all the way back to start then, Dan. How's your preparation gone for Jordan? Are you in good shape?
1: Yeah, I feel I feel good actually. In fact, I mean, I'm really looking forward to Jordan, but I'm seeing it as that just part of my training block for the for the six day race. I think it's like perfect, perfect kind of preparation. Like, um, yeah, like a few back to back to back to back or whatever days of some sort of higher mileage. And I'm 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 probably like the opposite of Robbie. So Robbie's been running a lot faster, doing some quicker stuff, you know, but. For me, like definitely since um, like the new year, I, I, I purposely haven't been running that. I've been thinking of the the six day race. I've just been out there kind of plodding around and not doing anything like quicker than like marathon tempo um, runs. And it's nice. I've had like when did we run the um, the one in Cornwall? Was that like four weeks ago or something?
0: Want to say, yeah, Three weeks yeah, four ago. weeks, yeah, four weeks blindly. So, I've
1: just had, yeah, I've just had a block of running like you know, like not high, high mileage that like I used to do, mate. I've just had like four weeks of like 130, 135 miles each, each week, and it's just been, I've just been feeling like solid, you know, quite, quite enjoying it and uh, not pushing my body too much. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to Jordan, really looking forward to Jordan as. You know, as part of the build-up to that, um, the the
2: race in Hungary,
1: that's kind of like on my mind. That's when I'm running. That's the kind of race I'm visualising at the moment.
2: So, yeah, I think it, it epitomises mine and Dan's different approaches to the 24 hours. I think my last few, like last six to eight weeks, have averaged about 50, 60 miles a week with a fair bit of intensity. I'm not saying that's it wasn't with Jordan in mind, but uh, even when we train, when you and I train for 24 hour races, Dan, we we approach it from completely different ends of the spectrum. But then we have a very, very similar personal bests. I think we're, we're different types of runner. I'm more of a, yeah, the strength side of things. And you're more of the, like the, oh, the tippy tappy lighter kind of moving all day. And I have yes. to, to power my engine the whole way through. You can go for days on nothing. We're both, yeah, it's an interesting, I think there are different types of runners in ultra running. And I believe we, we come together at the same place, but from different directions.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, we know that, don't we? That's why it's so important to have, like, I think for people, well, not to just go for those, like, um, like those off-the-shelf um, training plans and stuff, because we're all so different, aren't we? It takes a while for you to find what what works for you, and, and, and copying other people just doesn't always work, does it? Because you're copying someone someone else's training, which is really individual to them, yeah.
0: How can people follow you on this trip, lads?
1: I don't know right,
0: Robin, no. how can they. <laughs> uh, how can yeah. Charlotte know if Dan is all
2: right? We've got a sat phone.
1: We'll we'll <laughs> sort it out. There'll be there'll be areas where we can. I'm sure we can connect to the I... old uh, internet, and we'll um we'll put stuff out there. Can't isn't I asked about trackers, and the chap told me that. Apparently they don't they don't work so well in Jordan. There was some issue with them, and
2: I think the and, issue is probably that the military take them off you. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that was it. I think,
1: yeah. But the, then I was thinking, this, don't Garmin have something where you can uh, you can if your watch is on, someone can actually follow your watch? And uh, it was yeah. I just dreaming that.
2: No, yeah, I think you can do that. It's just I think it's just for creepy kind of really close couples that though. That's right. Where are yeah. you running today? I want to follow you. Rather than adventures, Uh, we—I will be blogging. I'll blog when I'm out there, like we did in Iceland. Um, I will tweet and Instagram it, all that kind of like rubbish. But yeah, it won't be every day. It won't be like you can follow us running through the middle of nowhere because a lot of times you're in canyons, anyway. So you can't. There's there's no. We'll have a. Maybe the crew. Maybe the crew might be able to update a little
1: bit. Yeah.
0: Well, I wish you both the very best of luck. Most of all, because this could be the greatest training race of our time. I firmly believe that both of you are some of the best training racers that I've ever had the privilege of running with. And what I think is likely to happen is that one of you will run just slightly ahead for a few yards and then the other one will just creep slightly ahead of that person and then alternate (laughs) until you're both running at suicide pace for as far as you can uh, until you stop. And repeat until you get to the other side of Jordan. So Dan, I, I think the FKT Dan, could be annihilated.
2: Dan, tell him what happened when we went for a run in Chamonix. <laughs> I was telling you to slow down. <laughs> yeah, yeah
1: just... we'll be fine. We're going to take in the historical sites and really, uh, you know, it's more about the culture.
0: So it's probably time to um, wrap. There's a storm here. It's huge, isn't it, Dan? Storm Freya. Are you experiencing that on the south coast?
1: I just ran back from yoga, yeah, and it was a little I was into it, yeah. It was a little <laughs> bit
0: annoying. Yeah. Hopefully there's a yeah. headwind in Jordan now you've done all that prep preparation work. Uh yeah. no, very best. You fly tomorrow, boys.
2: No, nah, Tuesday. Tuesday. Thursday.
0: You start Thursday. Okay.
2: Cool. Yeah. Man. All right. Cool, man. Yeah, be all safe right.
0: out there. Enjoy. Love to you both. And yeah, um, I mean, we'll look forward to hearing more about it when you get back.
1: Thanks,
2: James. See, y'all. See you all. See you on Tuesday, Dan. In yes. Bro-
1: Look forward to it, man.
0: Don't forget the flight, Dan. See you later. Bye.
1: Bye-bye.